to uh, I Like to Movie Movie. Uh, my name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And um, we have a very special episode today. Um, we're going to be discussing one of our favorite movie movies, uh, Upstream Color, with one of the stars, Andrew Sensnig. Hey guys, how are you, how are you doing today? Fantastic, fantastic. Doing great. It's great to have you here, Andrew. Uh, we, uh, yeah, pleasure, pleasure to be Excellent. Uh, so Andrew is actually uh, not only uh, the star of Upstream Color, he's a director, writer, composer, producer uh, in his own right. Uh, we were, we were uh, perusing your IMDb, and uh, we, we found out that you have quite a few more credits than I, I think we would have expected after seeing, uh, seeing Upstream <laughs> Color. <laughs> well, very fortunate to, uh, to be working nonstop, so uh, lucky to do it, and I you know, wouldn't do anything else in the world. There's no other job that can compare to this. Oh, wow, that's that's very nice. You seem to be a very active worker. Um, you know, it was uh, it was you that initially reached out uh, after I'd written the review of Upstream Color to say some kind words. So thank you for that. And um, You're actually, Thank you. I was I was wondering. I wanted to ask you about um, the short film that you uh, directed. The uh, Are we listening? I was wondering mm-hmm. if there's uh, anywhere that I can view that. I if you remember and and send me. Uh, an email or something, and I could send you a private link where we've got it out there. It's uh, you, we haven't released it uh, completely to the public yet. It's still because we're in talks with a couple of different short film packagers and distributors that oh, uh, might want to put that together. So, uh, but we did on that particular film. We were pretty active in the festival circuits about uh, the end of last year and early into this year, and you know, fortunately did quite well. Won several festivals, and um, and it's you know it's very very different from an upstream color, much more of a family grief situation. So tried to make a little piece that could help family that they're dealing with loss or uh, just difficult situation, something to them to maybe give them a little lift in their lives, but. But, yeah, very different from upstream color. <laughs> well, the reason I bring it up is because I noticed that you were credited also as having uh, composed the music for it. Mm-hmm. And Correct. I was wondering how something like that, um, I, being a musically-minded person, how that relates to uh, playing the character of the sampler in Upstream Color, who is also very interested in creating music. Um, it actually helped tremendously because... Uh, going back, I'm, I, I can guarantee you I'm a little older than you guys, but so when I was growing up, uh, I was in that uh, generation of the original sampling, mm-hmm. and that's actually things that I did. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but uh, what you see the sampler doing in collecting his sounds and his landscape, so to speak, uh, I did that exact same thing when I was 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. Uh, and was just very, very early in the whole sampling genre, and then would use that in my own compositions as as I was continuing to grow up. Um, so it was it was interesting. Now, uh, when Shane and I met, there was there really wasn't anything where he was coming to me because I had done music or sampling in my life before. It really just came out as we were working, 
that it became very easy because I I knew exactly what he was trying to convey because I I basically had been there and done that and you know, so it really really helped uh, I guess in a sense that it, it made it uh, partially just playing myself because you know, I have done that and and I continue to compose today I don't do I'm not out there doing the sampling anymore but. Uh, but absolutely composing and, and music is such a part of the film that uh, it definitely gave me a lot to work with by having music as a background. That's actually something we were both really curious about. Uh, in Upstream Color, uh, the sampler is seen uh, making music out of what I, I believe turns out to just be moments of the people's lives that he's experienced. But uh, it, mm-hmm. it's one of the elements of the film that I found. Uh, it, it's extremely fascinating. It almost feels like the sampler is creating the soundtrack that we're hearing throughout the film. Uh, but it, it is one of the more uh, confounding elements. Like, we're, we're curious how you feel about the sampler as a character. Like, what is he doing when he's sampling those sounds? <laughs> well, uh, I have to tell you, my, my standard answer for that is I will leave it up to your interpretation. Ah, yes. <laughs> I like that. I, I could have seen that one coming. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, they, you know, obviously, internally, I have my own thoughts, but uh, it's, it opens things up for such great discussion with people as to, you know, why is he doing that? Uh, what is he pulling together? I think, as you just mentioned, there's very much that element of, he is sampling moments in in a human soul. He's not simply going and, and throwing a rock down uh, a bridge and listening to what it sounds like, because he's you know he's the consummate listener. Yeah, uh, everything and, and he's but he's listening with every every single sense. Hmm. Uh, if, if that if that makes sense, I mean when he's looking at the people when he's listening, when he's making the sound, it's he is absolutely one hundred percent capturing that moment in time and where that person might be, how they are feeling, uh, how it fits into the rest of the puzzle. And and it's something that you know, some people interpret it that uh, he's doing it in order to draw in other people, or he's doing it because he's controlling the people, or he's doing it just because that's what he does. He just, that's his day-to-day routine. Now that and me... I've had... Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and I've had there's so many comments and questions from, literally, from critics and fans and things from around the world, uh, and their interpretations of what he's doing and whether he's good or bad. And it's just it's really, really fun for me because then I can sit back and, and as I said, as far as I said, well, I'll, you know, I have to leave it open for your interpretation because it's, all, it's too much fun to just, you know, to, to let you let your mind go wild and figure out what's going on. Oh, because everybody, everybody comes to it from a different place. Mm-hmm. You could take, right, you could take, uh, you could put 100 people in that theater and all hundred of them have arrived at that theater with a different day, a different week, uh, a different life and growing up, different relationships. So while they watch the sampler and they watch Jeff and Chris and their relationships, they are bringing with them their entire landscape or soundscape. So that's oh, wow. it's going. It, it's almost like you know, any week go and we stand uh, you know, in, at the Metropolitan Museum in New York and we look at an abstract painting. 
what we get out of that depends so much on what we have brought to that moment. Mm-hmm. And and we and we can all have entirely different opinions, and none of us are wrong. So <laughs> I think that's very similar to what, how people look at the same black. I don't really think there's a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's you know, some very fun and interesting answers, and uh, and I seems like I hear a new one every week. <laughs> oh yeah, I can imagine. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, about this movie that that uh, spoke to us both uh, while we were watching it is I think I've showed this movie to three, four different people that I know, and uh, nobody could quite tell me what was going on, but everybody could tell mm-hmm. me how much they enjoyed it, and I really think that that has a lot to do with the fact that there are certain things, like you said, that people bring to the experience, and um, a lot of movies I've found nowadays give give answers because um, people do request answers and one of the things I like about Upstream Color is that it trusts the audience it, it doesn't oversaturate us with in- information and I think as someone who sees a lot of movies it's nice to see a film that uh, that respects the fact that I can put pieces together myself and uh, it's yes. something that draws I, me to I it I agree with you more I could not agree with you more I think Shane was just absolutely brilliant in in again sharing these moments of these people's lives with an audience, but never once telling the audience what to think or what to do. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, it really makes that experience so much more profound. Absolutely. I, I think actually just uh, just this little bit of dialogue we just had kind of made me realize that the, the sampler is almost a surrogate for the audience because all the audience is doing in this movie is is sampling with the sampler. We're experiencing the little pieces that the sampler is experiencing. We're experiencing yeah. these little moments of people's souls, as you said, as the sampler is. We're not given any extra information, and neither is he. He's just experiencing these moments, and so we get to experience them through him. And I, in a sense, uh, and some people have referred to that, say he, he's somewhat of a narrator. Mm-hmm. And but he doesn't have to speak because... He listens, and what he is doing is taking us on a tour. Mm-hmm. And you know, and but then, of course, you also get to the realization that there's something going on that, uh, whether it's whether it's true or not, Chris believes that he represents something bad mm-hmm. because she is able to figure out the cycle. I mean, she she's the first one. I mean, obviously, if you've noticed, and spoiler alerts for people that haven't seen it, but, uh, you know, she's the first one that has, that ever makes true eye contact and true personal connection with the sampler. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the uh, the sampler character has uh, very little dialogue, um, mm-hmm. and much of, much of your performance is through your facial expressions, and... Um, and it's actually funny. I was I was watching your uh, Super Bowl commercial earlier today with <laughs> Peter Stormare, and uh, yes. <laughs> marveling at the face that you make when he flips the bottle cap towards you and you kind of dodge it. And that's when it that occurred to me, you know, you, you're very skilled with your face, and I I wonder what what a script that doesn't really require much dialogue for you looks like, and and what you drew upon to create that. Um. Well, it's, it's the way Shane wrote Upstream Caller, and I think that he writes a lot of his pieces, um, it, he is so visual. And so in describing scenes and describing the feelings 
characters are going through or that the sampler is going through uh, made it very easy for me to just step into that moment in time. Uh, I'm I'm an actor that uh, works very instinctually and always works from the inside out. So I take a feeling, emotion, and a visual that I have in my head and let that work from the heart or the soul, whatever you might call it, and, and let the external take care of itself. Hmm. And, and primarily because that's how, you know, that's how the real world is. And just, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people in our acting profession try to externalize and try to think, well, what does this look like? Uh, you know, give me an example. Do you think it's red or green or this? And, and in reality, we all just arrive at a place of time and we're in that moment. We're not, you know, we're just there. And with the sampler, he has, and as you can see, I mean, we have lots and lots and lots of time where that sampler is, he is just going through his motions. He is, he is at the pig farm. He's creating music. He is out uh, just existing in others' lives and doing all that uh, because you know, I personally feel that the sampler is doing good. He's out there saying, you know, yeah, I'm, these people come to me, they ask for help, I help them, and I continue to stay connected to them throughout their lives. And, you know, it's not until I have one of these sampled, so to speak, in the character of Chris, who actually tests me hmm. and, and wants to dig deeper and wants to, and people could look at that and they wonder, well, what is that? Is that... Is that somebody that's in a control situation and they need to get out of it? Is it somebody that's in an abusive relationship? Do they have an addiction problem? Um, I've had people that say it represents Hollywood, how Hollywood tries to take filmmaking and put it into a specific box, and that's all you can do. <laughs> uh, the Hollywood <laughs> you know? machine, right? Right, right. Some people think it's, it's politics. Uh, some people think it's Big Brother. They look at the sampler and feel like, that's Big Brother who's always watching over you. Hmm. Um, and that sense of, of, like you said, the sampler, which I thought was one of the best interpretations I've heard where the sampler is for that narrator or the person that's taking us through all those moments. Uh, but that would make you wonder, is there someone that's always over your shoulder, that's always there, uh, that actually controls your life? I mean, are we, are we puppets? Uh, are we being controlled, even though we think we're in control. I mean, we just don't know. And, I mean, it opens it up again for fantastic discussion because you have, I mean, many of the women that I talk to, they think the sampler's a horrible guy because, you know, he, he hurts the little animals. And, uh, again, people have already seen it, so they know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and the guys think the sampler's a good guy. <laughs> so... <laughs> So would you, would you argue that the that the sampler is aware of the thief, or that he's just part of a cycle and, and unrelated? Yeah, that's actually one that that uh, Shane is pretty specific about, and I completely agree with Shane. The thief and the sampler really have no idea that either exists. Interesting. Uh, yeah, they simply know. Uh, again, the you know the the thief does his work, and through that process. Uh, has infected these people, and then those people, through the sounds and through the music, I mean, we ultimately find out that all of 
uh, the Sampras music that he does through his own recording label that's out there. People are buying it, listening to it, and somehow those people that have been impacted by the thief are drawn to the sampler, and the sampler doesn't, he doesn't know that, he, he, he doesn't know the orchids exist. I mean, mm-hmm. he, okay. he, he just knows that people come to him, he takes care of them, he goes through their whole life cycle with them. Uh, you know, it's questionable. How, is the sampler, is he uh, a godlike figure? Is he omnipresent? Or is he just a person that's a fourth-generation sampler? We, we actually you know, had this discussion last night over whether or not the sampler was indeed a human being or not. Yeah. So it's very interesting that you say that because, you know, of course he is, he is human-like, but, you know, if he's, if he's just an omnipresent always watching these folks, it, it begs the sci-fi element. Yeah. Is he, is he more than human? Well, and there's, there's something right. I, I was saying to Dan last night, there's something about, uh, uh, again, just to, to compliment your acting, like the, the, um, your facial expressions, you do a lot of the, the, the work for that character with your face. And there's something about the way the sampler observes these people where it almost seems like he uh and, and this is just my interpretation of what i'm seeing but the it almost seems like he is investigating what is a person what what is a feeling what is a soul what are as if he doesn't have anything himself that resembles that so he's observing yeah, everyone else's were, uh, excellent observation because there were no pun intended but there were uh, many days on set and working where I felt that, that I felt I was, that I was the one who was learning, mm-hmm. that being part of these people's lives was more discovering, okay, what is it that's happening here? How can I use that to help other people? Or how, what, or what is love? Or what is loss? Or what is, you know, there, you could absolutely draw that entire scenario that he, he is out there trying to determine what is humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. It's, yeah, he seems to be living vicariously through yes. these folks and and growing himself. And and right. the the, the fate uh, once again to to comment on on the facial expressions, there is a a definite vibe of benevolence mm-hmm. as he's sampling these folks' lives. Um, it seems to be a level of care, and whether that's for them or or for the music itself or both is is up in the air to me. But. Uh, just to, to compliment your performance, that absolutely uh, resonates. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, I really appreciate the kind words. Uh, I, I did bring it, or come to it from a point of view of benevolence. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was certainly, at least the way I approached the character, there was never any evil intent from him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, as you said, it probably does show quite a bit in the face because he's, he's just... Um, he's not, I mean, he's always observing and he's concerned and exploring and, but in a sense of, of I, I need this information to help me do a better job. Yeah. There's a curiosity to it, it seems. Oh yes, very much so. Now there is a scene, um, where we do get to hear some dialogue from the sampler and um, it's right after the piglets are born, mm-hmm. the adorable little piglets. <laughs> and um, the uh, I, I I definitely uh, had a couple of aw moments yeah. <laughs> watching these piglets, but um, and, but that was shortly taken away because they don't last long. Um, the neighboring farmer <laughs> offers to uh, to purchase these piglets, and the sampler basically almost harshly says, "Yeah, yeah sure, whatever," and just kind of blows them off. 
And right. that was where, to me, I wondered how aware the sampler is of the life cycle of this, you know, organism. Because he seems to want to dump the pigs to create the orchids and so forth. But I, I, I wonder how you feel, um, how aware he is of that process. Yeah, I was actually, I, I was curious about that as well, because I did hear you, you say before that you don't think he's aware of the orchids which then calls into question, like, why is he disposing those pigs? Because what we see as an audience is the direct result of him disposing of those pigs is the creation of the, the orchids. Yes. Uh, it absolutely, the decomposition of, of the pigs most certainly is part of that cycle. And in that decomposition, decomposition the, you know, the larvae and the worms, and they come and they're, and they're able to uh, help pollinate the orchids and, and so on and so forth. But now keep in mind the sampler, I mean, he's been out there farming for who knows how long, mm-hmm. pig farming. And and whether he sends them to market or whether they actually die on his farm and he goes, I mean, that's not the first time he's gone to the bridge and, and dumped a pig. Right, I, did, I, I didn't so, get the impression it was either. So he's, it's, it's, it's the thing that's unusual. So he knows that these pigs go through, I mean, they've got a life cycle, which you could also then assimilate that the people that those pigs are associated with might be passing on at that same point mm-hmm. when a pig dies. Mm-hmm. So the difference with the piglets is that he, unless the piglets have been sickly before or something, he has never had to do that. Mm. So it, this the reason for him doing it is the, the, that couple of Chris and Jeff they are disturbing the cycle and his world. Mm. You know, they all of a sudden they're doing something, and he just he cannot let that happen. The relationship between Jeff and Chris is threatening the sampler's entire existence in his mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, so yeah. we see, you know, one way I'm going to be able to stop that is is take those piglets and throw them off the bridge and and not consciously being aware at all that, oh, by the way, what you've done is just started the cycle again. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Because it, it, I guess it begs to be to be explored whether or not anybody who's been affected by the thief have met and potentially procreated. And so through doing that, uh, uh, Chris and uh, now it's escaping me. Jeff, I think. Jeff, uh, they... Yes, they've gone and disturbed the cycle. Okay, that makes that makes perfect sense. You're enlightening yeah. us over here. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, very nice. Um, and uh, that's to me that was what I took from the movie personally, if I may, is that um, oftentimes as creatures of habit, we get stuck in cycles without without realizing it. And um, mm-hmm. what resonated with me was that whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing, sometimes it's sometimes it's perfectly advisable to break free from a cycle. Mm-hmm. And that's where the movie resonated with me. And to see two forces going going back and forth over that breach, their romance and the sampler's music is um, it just definitely hits me hard. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and if I step aside and look at it from the view of Andrew Sensenig and not the sampler, that's uh, that's really what I take away as well, is we can so easily get caught up in, in whatever our cycle is. Everybody's cycle it could be completely different. But it's being brave enough to push through, to question, and to break through that cycle, which, as we see with Chris, it opens up her world. Uh, you know, it's, it's the whole happy ending you know, every day is better now, and I mean, she's holding that piglet, which, 
you know, some people look and say, okay, now, now she feels complete because she can hold these little babies instead of her own. And, uh, but I absolutely agree. There's the entire element of just breaking out of whatever it is that is holding you back. And you could view that as simple as saying, hey, you know, follow your dreams. Don't, you know, who cares what other people think? Go do your own thing. All the way over to people that are just caught up in whatever, questions of faith, and they don't know what to do, and they're stuck in some cult environment, and they need to break free of that, or uh, just, yeah, I, that's, again, that's, that's very, very similar to what I take away from the piece. And then when you layer all that with chains just, Stunning sound design and uh, the the music and the cinematography and the pacing. I mean, you you create this roller coaster ride that I don't know. When I saw it the first time at Sundance earlier this year. From the moment that thing started until it ended, I I don't think I I don't think I breathed half the time, let alone my feet. I mean, it's just you were just so pulled into it. And I think so much of that goes back to what you mentioned earlier is that chain allows you to become engaged by not telling you what's happening mm-hmm. absolutely he, you know, he's letting you to he's letting you be a voyeur into this world but he's not going hey look this is what hey look at chris oh look hey look at that worm on her foot oh gosh what's going on you're you're just there you're in it and and so almost like just one of the you know, more powerful sci-fi films you've ever seen you're drawn in it and you Shane doesn't let you go. Mm-mm. You know that's another thing. He did a tremendous job of keeping the sound and the energy such that when you're engaged, you can't. You could try, but you can't break free. Which is somewhat to say, you yourself are now in that cycle. <laughs> yeah, right? absolutely, and, and absolutely. You, you've been pulled in, and you're trying, and you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, I just, I'd really like to get up and." go to the bathroom or go get some popcorn or something. But wait, 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 I can't, I can't. What's going to happen? Oh, gosh, i got to stay here. i got to keep watching. And you're just, you're glued to the story. Well, and, I, I, yeah, which... <laughs> I think one of the beautiful things he did with the storytelling was break it into a very distinct three-act structure, uh, which allows yeah. him to not give you as much information as you might be used to getting in a film so that by the time you get to that third act, he can really start taking what was very distinctly the first act and what was very distinctly the second act and wrap them together where all of a sudden the details start just start to make sense right mm. there at the end as we build towards the climax. Uh, and very, uh, very much. And again, because it's this distinct three-act structure, it, it, you, you, you just said it it, it, it gives it a cycle. It's, it's a three-act structure where we get to see the cycle from beginning to end, so we become part of that cycle. And you could, if you wanted to, just put that movie on loop, oh, yeah. and you would be right. in that cycle. Uh, actually, when, right. we, when we first watched it, it was, uh, it was three of us, and um, two of us had seen the movie already, and Garrett had not seen it yet. Yeah. And one of the things that kept <laughs> happening was the three of us would go, well, what do you think about... How about you know, let's just wait till it's over. Let's wait, wait till it's over. We'll wait till it's over and then right. we'll talk about it. And then by the end, we just had a long list of oh, we have so much to talk yeah. about. And I right. think that's that really shows how active the audience is, but um, not in a way that that uh, not in a way that it's oppressive to watch. It's a very enjoyable movie to watch. Oh yeah, but it's it's very much uh, it's very much a movie movie as we say because oh, yeah. it truly uses the medium to its fullest extent. Uh, and it also oh, every aspect of it, every aspect, and see, and that's one thing that that Shane. Um, I've had the great luxury of working with 
some of the best directors in the world and cinematographers and musicians and and others with film and TV projects. But, you know, this is not trying to just blow smoke over Shane or something. It's He is brilliant in every aspect of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I've never run across a man like that. Because <laughs> he literally can take every component of it and he can be at the top of his game against anybody else in that particular area of filmmaking. And if you did that as a singular element, people would congratulate you. But he does that in every single area. Mm-hmm. And it's just, to him, I mean, he, he literally is a genius. And I know people use that word loosely, but he it's, it's just something that it just naturally comes to him. He doesn't, it's not like he has to go off and study and do all it. He's just, he says, oh, you know, he didn't go to any formal film school or do anything. He said, oh, I'm just going to go make a film. Well, I didn't, I'll figure it out. Okay. <laughs> and now, and you can you... even see some of his engineering background that comes into play, as you yeah. just said. We've got, you know, you've got the triangular cycle in a, in, a, in a way, and then within the film itself, it's the very defined three points, three arcs, which is engineered like the puzzle, which is the story, which is the structure of the film. <laughs> and start to bring all those things together and and then you think that it's one guy i mean i will say um to, you know two other gentlemen that really really brought a bunch to the table was uh, first with sound design uh just an amazing sound artist johnny marshall and you know which he was honored at sundance with one of the grand jury prizes for the sound design oh wow i did not and, know that that's deservedly a, so that's yeah. impressive i mean uh dan's first comment to me about this movie was the the sound is the main character that was the oh, first it, thing he it, told me about it. It, it. Yeah, it is. It is absolutely, and, and like you guys, I see a lot of movies. Rarely do you see a movie where sound is a major role. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the leading roles. And Johnny Marshall was just just absolutely instrumental in helping Shane pull everything together and just get it properly placed and, and hitting the right highs and lows and the volumes and the... Uh, and then on the other side is uh, on the editing front, and that's David Lowry. And, and you probably, I don't know if you guys have seen Ink and Body Saints yet this year. I have not. But but it's uh, Ink and Body Saints is also, it's nominated for uh, one of the best pictures at the Gotham Awards coming up here in a few weeks oh, with cool. Upstream Colors. I say Upstream Colors yeah. is on the Gotham Awards. I, I, I really hope that Upstream Color does a lot of uh, good award stuff because I'm almost terrified of what Shane will produce when he has a serious budget. Yeah. Um, I, I cannot <laughs> wait to see it. Well, I mean, it's when you see that level of imagination, you know, trumping a lack of a budget, throw some money at that, it's going to be explosive. I'm, I'm excited for his future. Well, that's I was going to comment on that. Uh, as, as you were talking there, Andrew, you made me think that, mm-hmm. like, uh, and, and it's definitely something I felt while watching Upstream Color, but Upstream Color is not just a story that's being told to you, which I feel like is a trap a lot of movies fall into. This is an experience. Movies have the ability to give us visuals and sound, uh, and and if they if both visuals and sound are enacted properly together, it can even give you the sensation of feeling, the sensation of smell, uh, and, and right. he gives you a full experience. And that's something that you don't. I, I don't feel like I get that often in the movie theaters. Now I got it this year with the movie Gravity, but Gravity was a movie that cost tons of money, and Kareth oh pulled it right. off. 
with so little money. He gave me the same kind of experience watching the movie. And on top of that, Gravity didn't give me a whole lot to talk about afterwards. Oh, it was just, it was, wow. It was just an amazing roller coaster <laughs> experience. Whereas this movie, we had at least an hour-long discussion afterwards. And that is such a rare gift in movies. I feel like movies only... Once every five years do we get a movie that makes me just need to go out into the world and talk to anyone I can about it. Oh, my gosh, yeah, that's... It's almost an understatement, and I think uh, that we started earlier in the discussion just saying that it almost approached sensory overload <laughs> with Western color. Yes. Oh, but he never pushes it that far. He no. just pushed, just got it to the point where where you are drawn in, and it is every single sense that is involved. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I'm I'm like you. I just I have not seen or been around a film like that obviously i'm a little biased uh, <laughs> but i just, well, I just not have alone. not the, been the part buzz of... is huge <laughs> well, I mean, yeah you know, were you uh were you uh, had you seen primer before working with shane um oh yes because yeah, i was absolutely. a huge fan of primer yeah. and i found that was another one of those movies uh, especially when you involve something as wonky as time travel yeah um, people are always mm-hmm. constantly questioning this and what's the logic of that. And that's one of those movies that I watched and I had to buy on DVD simply so I could have a pause feature and uh, think right. about what's going on. And I can't find a single hole in it. It's uh, it's another active movie experience for the viewer. Um, right. and, so, and think about that. That was, that was Shane's first film. Oh, oh no. And, uh, and that was, you know, he and edited just, that at home, right? Yeah. Right, right. And, and yeah, and you're exactly right with I mean, that's the, <laughs> I was going to say the prime reason, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I had heard through the grapevine that Shane's going to be doing another film, and he was going to shoot it in the Dallas area, and I'm based in Dallas. I just spend most of my time on the road for projects, but mm-hmm. uh, when I am home, I'm in Dallas, and because of the fact that I was a fan of Primer, I started investigating and and heard that Shane was going to be doing a project. I wanted to find out everything I could. I went and was able to make connections with uh, Ben LeClaire, a really fabulous producer out of Los Angeles who produced Upstream Color, and just was able to get him to send me a script. Looked at it, and I said, oh, my gosh. So this is this is like primer grown up. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and just like you said, what's, what's he going to be able to do if he has no limitation on his budget. Yeah. Uh, because you look from, and literally, and, and Primer is so perfect in all its elements. However, if, if you bring it and you say, okay, now here is Primer grown up in upstream color because you're able to add all the other sensory elements to it. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the cinematography's better and the sound is on and everything else. So, and you make a jump like that from movie one to movie two, I mean, I, I just had a, I knew when I, when I read the script and I went back and got a hold of Shane again and said, hey, let's go have lunch and talk because I just knew something. I, I, to be bluntly honest, I had no idea it was going to be so, so critically acclaimed around the globe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I knew it was going to be a very, very special film. Well, there's um, certainly a level of confidence on Shane's part that, that is much more palpable in Upstream Color than in Primer. And uh, it it it's it resonates, and I think that's one of the reasons why people are talking about it. Everybody, everybody who I know who has seen it, they all le- they all exit going what, but they want to talk about it. They want right. to explore it, and and that's beautiful to me. 
And that's if me as a filmmaker, uh, even you know, the one little short film that you talk about when we started the conversation that we did about a year and a half ago, I can I'm not sure short and you tell me your information else I need the link to it, but it's uh I don't really end it. It it stops and it's at a point where the whole design is to make people go off and talk. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the greatest sign of a fabulous film, for example, with Upstream Collar, is that it stirs so much. And it's not conversation necessarily just about the film. It's conversation about how people see themselves in that film or mm-hmm. in those relationships. I mean, it's, it's bringing people together to talk about life and different situations. It's not to sit and talk about, oh, weren't those special effects cool, or what do you think of this? I mean, you're talking about uh, elements of human existence and rather than just saying, oh, that was a great film, where are we going for dinner? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's uh, that's very valid because um, whenever I've discussed this movie with other people, really the technical aspects of it always come second. Mm-hmm. And it's it's but, I've heard it referred to as a mood piece, and... Um, I, I mean, it's definitely more than that, but I, I would certainly say the feeling that you get from it is always the first thing that we discuss. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Technical aspects always come second place. Well, and to your point, Andrew, I mean, like s- storytelling is one of our oldest art forms, and in its mm-hmm. I- and in its original sort of uh, I- at the inception of uh, of storytelling, it was parables. the The idea was tell a story that teaches you something about yourself. Uh, and, Precisely. and I think in, in, in our modern Hollywood kind of, we, we've lost a lot of that, uh, to things like special effects and, and just, uh, likable faces on the screen and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I, I completely agree. And it's just to have any film that, that will teach you something, make you discuss things. Uh, I've seen Upstream Color three times and each time I've seen it. I see something new. Yeah. And, you know, and I've actually seen it between the second and third time. It's just interesting that somebody had asked me and said, okay, well, do you think your character is good or bad? <laughs> and I said, well, I, you know, I did. You need to leave it up for your own interpretation. I said, but I did approach it as, as a good guy, you know, maybe, maybe a broken God figure in a sense, somebody that was mm. almost deity, but then things didn't quite work. And he actually, almost destroyed his own world by by testing his own theories and by letting somebody into his world. But somebody had said, they started giving me an interpretation, and then I went back and watched it again, and I viewed the sampler as an entirely different person when I saw it the third time. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm watching, and I'm thinking, well, wait, but that's, that's me playing it, but I could see it. If somebody goes in and they think, oh, he's a good guy, well, then, oh, yeah, he, comes, he looks pretty good. If you go in thinking he's a bad guy, then you go, well, that guy's horrible. He's terrible to those people. Yeah. <laughs> We were we were intentional. Uh, our intentions tonight were to speak with you and then record our movie movie episode on Upstream Color, and it occurred to us both this afternoon that uh, we would like to watch it a few more times yeah. before we actually do that, and also take into consideration the things that we've shared with you tonight, and uh, I think that's just a testament to how how firm yet pliable this movie is. And I, I can't wait to watch it again with yet another outlook. Yeah. It really does change yeah, every time and, and not change, but grow every time. And I think that's, uh, that's fantastic. That, 
that's the perfect way to put it. It grows every time, and in that, we as a viewer grow with it. Yes. And, you know, if you're Shane Carruth and you walk away and that's the reaction you're getting from people, I mean, you just, that's why you make a film. Mm-hmm. And at least personally, that's, it's not about how much profit is out there. It's just, I, you know, how can I touch lives? How can I get people to talk and to look within and to see how they exist within this crazy world, within this cycle? And uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it is. You Every time you watch it, it grows a little bit more. And, and it is exciting to know that it is absolutely an independent film that is going to be around for a long, 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 long time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, it's one of those two where I want to share it with people. Right. And it will be used as reference items in film schools and oh, yeah. sound design labs. And you know, it, it will be one of those things that people go back to for a multitude of reasons. But again, it, it's out there for all eternity and, and, and for the entire cycle <laughs> that continues to loop and loop and loop. <laughs> Now to uh, step to step uh, out of the uh, the actual discussion of the movie, just uh, as for your work, I, I, I imagine just uh, being a, a face that pops up in this movie that has probably helped your career greatly. And have you felt any uh, bump from that? I, I have. Yes, I uh, I didn't return to the business until about uh, just a little over six years ago, and mm. I've been out in the corporate world and doing things and my beautiful, wonderful wife uh, had encouraged me to say, okay, your daughters are grown up now. You, you know, you, you've always had this dream. Go give it a try. And it was about six years ago. And I, I've been very fortunate, but been able to do quite a few studio films and network television pieces and uh, have confident working. I always told her as long as each year improved, I would stay with it. Um, so you effectively broke doubt, the cycle. <laughs> I, there you go, and that's that's a great way to describe it because uh, with upstream color, it, it's it opened doors around the world that uh, just I I never could have imagined. And the only difficulty I have right now is is being able to determine which are the right projects to do and mm-hmm. how do they fit into the calendar and. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I'm trying to think over think of some characters over the last. I mean, I've had about 15 to 20 projects now in the books that go up through next summer. Wow. I think of all the problems to have, uh, having too many options is a good one. (laughs) I I cannot complain. And they are characters. It's just everything from a reclusive scientist who makes a worldwide discovery of a new comet that, that changes all of humanity to to the grand boss of purgatory, to sold. Yeah. Uh, to a uh, Miami mob lawyer running from the mob and settling in, in small-town Texas, to a cult leader, to a pastor in a very rural community who needs money, so he, uh, he talks with his dead corpse wife, who he's been keeping around the house for a while, and rapes his daughter and sells her to the sheriff, and... I mean, it just, you know, it goes on and on and on, and these characters are all over the place. You have effectively uh, sold me on seeing, like, ten new movies uh, yeah. with each of those descriptions. <laughs> sold. It, it's, I mean, it's fun, and they're just all over it. And what I was just finishing up uh, contracts today, I'll, uh, I'll be uh, in South Texas next week for a while, and, and shooting on a film where I'm a guy who's like the, you know, a very 
about the most normal character I've played in a long time. He's just the, he's the producer of a big singing competition show. So it's just <laughs> sort of regular Joe. And I'm like, wow, that's just a regular guy. That's going to be fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's good. Yeah, and it, um, even the, more so than the work, which has been tremendous coming out of it, the connections that I've made in terms of new friendships and and being able to collaborate with writers and directors, that's just been the greatest, greatest blessing from upstream caller. Uh, because it's the type of people, just like you gentlemen, uh, upstream caller pulls out thinkers and uh, dreamers and when you get scripts from somebody and then they want to work, and, and it's just you're looking at people who are absolutely bringing their dreams to life, and it's it's just an unbelievable feeling. And I mean, I've, I can't count the the number of really amazing new friends I've made over the last year, especially since Sundance, and and it just continues because as we head here into award season. There's going to be more and more exposure, and uh, it's I mean, it's just absolutely phenomenal to see all the independent filmmakers out there that are just really making a difference. Uh, did, this might be a weird question, but did uh, did you get nominated for your performance in this at all? Because I, I got to tell you, thinking about it, I, it is absolutely one of my favorite performances on the screen this year, for sure. Oh, my gosh. You're, so, you're far too kind, of, but I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, I don't know of anything at, at this point. I... Um, be honest with you, and I've had calls and things from some different critics and some different write-ups that are still to come out, and guys that are trying to make some pushes for some nominations. But uh, at this point, we're so early in the award season mm-hmm. right now. I mean, all we have is Gotham, and uh, Gotham does Best Picture and, and uh, Best Lead, Best Leading Actress and Actor, and mine will most certainly uh, be a supporting role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got to look at Amy, you know, Amy Simons for her, she's nominated there. And, and she's nominated what, along with Kate Blanchett and Brie Larson and uh, Scarlett Johansson, I think. And it's just like, oh, my God. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> I mean, she was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Actually, she showed Absolutely up in um, Your Next. Oh, she was in that movie? She was in Your Next, which was a fantastic uh, little horror flick. Right. But, um, yeah. yeah. So she's now yeah, sure, a her performance in Right, and I am so excited to to see that uh, that nomination for Gotham, and she will get more because her her performance in Upstream Caller is just, and that's one I think that I'll go back and I, as you mentioned, you grow each time you watch it. When you really sit and are able to absorb her experience and what she goes through to become strong enough to push through and finally break that cycle. There's so much depth to that character. It's just unreal. Well, she essentially hits a form of rock bottom yeah. and starts from the very oh, yeah. beginning at, at the hands of the thief. And it's uh, it's heartbreaking, but it, I, you can't help but feel inspired by the end. Um, even if you right. don't know what's going on yet, even if it's your yeah. first time seeing it, there is that uplifting feeling of, of exactly that, and that's credit to her. Right, and, and she... You know, she you can just see it in every ounce of her being that... She and Jeff or Shane, when they're they're sitting there listening to sound or things, she can hear things that he can't, that nobody else can. She mm-hmm. can see things that nobody else can. And it's just that that same thing of somebody who's strong enough to question the cycle 
and using all of their being to push through that and make a difference. And, and you know, not that uh, the Jeff Shane's character, he was a, he was a regular guy and doing everything he could, but he just didn't really even know he was in the cycle. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and it takes, but I thought it was very. But Heaney's performance is just yeah, her her performance is amazing. So uh, definitely, people are out there voting. Both, both for Amy. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, you're you're a shoe in for the I like to movie movie uh, actor of the year. We're uh, <laughs> yeah. oh well, you know, thank you very much. Thank <laughs> we're, you. we're a thank little biased so because you gave us your time, but th- <laughs> that's not to slight the performance. So uh, that's whatever. okay. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> You've earned it. You've earned it, good sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate what you guys are doing, and um, and I did go back and listen to some of your other podcasts and. And look at what you're doing. It's just, it's just great. It's, oh, well, thank you so nice much for listening. Have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's nice to have people that want to really dig in into the film, especially in the independent market. And, and your support for something like an upstream color, where you genuinely said to me, we want to we want to get on, we want to talk to you, because we want to do everything we can to get more people to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is about as good a compliment as anybody could ever get for a film. You know, the fact that you would spend your energy and time and say, we, it's not that we're out here and we've got big advertisers and they're paying us money to do this. No, we want people to know about this film because we want them to see it. We want to talk to them about it. We want them to enjoy it. So I greatly appreciate that and thank you guys for, for those efforts because more people we can get to see it, the better for everybody. Oh, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. That's, uh, I mean, that's sort of the thesis of this show. We're, we're recording it out of a, a, a shitty bedroom in a shitty apartment in shitty Philadelphia. Don't you uh, mean a glorious studio <laughs> in the wonderful city of brotherly love? Yeah, this has nothing to there do you know. with uh, w- with uh, any kind of return. It's all about trying to put, put something out there uh, and, and talk about uh, an art form that we both genuinely love in a very positive right. way, because I don't think there's a lot of that going on, unfortunately. Uh, we've with their yeah, uh, and it's, that's a shame because it's it, there need to be more movie movie guys like you that are there to encourage the filmmakers not to be critical of all the work. Yeah, and that's one thing as I mentioned, as I've gotten had the great luxury of meeting so many new filmmakers this year, and every one of them has a different something different to bring to the table and something different to help move audiences. And they, they need people like you guys that are out there to encourage instead of, you know, don't, don't squash somebody's dream. At least let them get out there and give it a try. Absolutely. Well, it goes both ways and, and it does a lot for, uh, for our show's level of swag, if you will, to have, uh, (laughs) to have a, uh, a celebrity come through to, to help us out and give us a true insider's look on a movie that absolutely deserves to be dissected. Thank you so much. The pleasure is mine. Uh, I, I wouldn't do anything else. I mean, this is the greatest job in the world, and uh, I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. But I do. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to uh, before before. At first, I want to say thank you. We've gone well over the time that yes. we thought, and so thank you for your graciousness there. But um, we wanted to uh, just to lighten it up. We are both stand-up comedians, yeah, and so. Okay. Uh, we wanted to ask you, I, I have two questions here that, uh, that I would love to ask all of our future guests and uh, to light mm-hmm. it up. And the uh, first one is, is a little unrelated. Uh, if you could have any superpower at all, what would it be? Any superpower? 
Oh my gosh, any superpower. A superpower would, um, well, flying. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I but I actually do fly in, I don't mean fly a plane, but it's one of those strange things. I'm a very vivid dreamer, and it's so fun when I dream, because I, I fly in my dreams. And, I, and it's just, I, I'll just be in situations and talking to people. I might be at a basketball game in a gymnasium, and I just decide, okay, it's time to fly. And I, <laughs> I'll go flying up through the rafters and bouncing around, and, and it's just, it's there's something, it's so freeing and exhilarating, and so that must be the superpower that I desire, because I dream several times a week that I'm flying. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. I'm jealous of your dreams. <laughs> yeah, can, can I tell you what I love about that answer? You said, because I do fly. You, you didn't draw right. the line between dreaming and reality, which I, I love. I think that that uh, uh, is, is sort of a, a nice representation of just the artist in general, anyone that is interested in, in art. Uh, they're dreamers, uh, and we don't always, uh, sometimes we have trouble drawing the line between what we're dreaming and, and what's real. Uh, I kind of like that answer. That's great. I think that's the artist's well, job, right. yeah. to blur that line. Yeah. And then um, this is a question we both we both uh, would would love to know the answer, and this is in fitting with the theme of I like to movie movie. Um, you're stranded on a desert island. You do not have the ability to fly, so you're stuck. Uh, what 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 movie do you have with you? What's the one movie you want that'll at least keep you busy until you find some food? <laughs> okay. Well, outside of upstream color, ah, yes. uh, we'd be Dumb and Dumber. Oh, oh man! Right on. That's a great answer. That I movie is so rewatchable. It. Oh yeah, right. It's I don't I don't know why, and um, it, it's just you know it's so quotable, but it's so warm and genuine, yeah. and it's just one of those films that I, I don't know how many dozens of times I've watched it, but it's just enjoyable every single time. Yeah, I would agree. That's that's a, a classic. <laughs> yeah, and it's about to be. What is effectively a trilogy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's one of those movies that actually makes me feel semi-intelligent. Oh, yeah. So I, like, I like that. I like to be able to finish a movie and go, wow, there's somebody actually not quite as smart as me. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Well, I think we should wrap it up. Andrew, yeah. thank you so much. I, I can't put it into words how much this means to us to have you on the show and how fun this has been. Thank you. Thank you. The pleasure is, is all mine. I, I do appreciate your time. And, um, you know, shout out to everybody there in the Pennsylvania area and everyone out beyond around the world that will listen to your project and uh, get out and see Upstream Color and, um, you know, then let's go make another movie movie. Yeah. Excellent. And Excellent. Uh, and listen, if you're ever in the Philadelphia area, uh, we, you have an open invitation to come sit with us, enjoy a movie, and uh, and talk about it, dissect it with us. That sounds fantastic. I'll probably take you up on that. We would love that. Excellent. Uh, so th- thank you very much, Andrew. We, we really do appreciate it. And we wish you uh, a, a lot of luck uh, in the coming, uh, what would you say, you got work up until next summer already? Uh, we, we wish you much oh, yes. luck with that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, again, if there's ever anything I can do for you guys, just let me know. My email and phone, everything's always open. My email's just Andrew Sensenig. Well, you know, you send it. Okay, because you, mm. you communicate by email. So, uh, <laughs> But anything... You know, if you run into some fun new indie projects happening around the area where you are or really anywhere in your connections, it's, uh, reach out to me, and I'd, I'd love to get out there and help anybody bring that, uh, their two-dimensional story up to the screen. Beautiful. <laughs> I Beautiful. love that. Well, thank you so much. It's, uh, All right, gents. You guys fun. have a great evening. Yeah, you, you too. Thank okay. you. Thank you. All right. Take care.
So long, Andrew. All right, that's been uh, our interview with Andrew Sensenig, uh, one of the uh, uh, stars of Upstream Color, uh, one of our favorite movie movies this year. Uh, we absolutely recommend everybody go check it out. Uh, you can listen to our review of uh, of Upstream Color, our dissection of Upstream Color, on uh, the uh, most recent episode of I Like to Movie Movie. Uh, and you can find us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at I like the number two movie. I like to movie. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash I like to movie. The uh, number two movie. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. It's with an F. Um, I'm on on Twitter at Dan Scully, just my name. And uh, also as a companion piece to that, um, I do have an, uh, a review of Upstream Color that I've written up on my blog, which is thedanscully.tumblr.com. It's basically, it's essentially just the movie movie blog. There's <laughs> a few opinion pieces, but we're going to be posting things out there all the time. And if you are interested in watching Upstream Color, which you should be, it's available on Netflix. So it's fucking free. Yep. So <laughs> go watch it. It's it's really worth it. And then watch it again. And then talk to us about it. Yes. And um, please, please, if there's something that you would like for us to cover on I Like to Movie mm-hmm. Movie, if there's a certain movie that you think we would enjoy discussing, reach out to us. Send us an email. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter. Because we would love to know what you would like to hear and chances are if you listen to this you have some very similar opinions Mm -hmm. and so there's so many movies that i'd like to revisit and discuss with garrett here and we would like to uh share with you yeah so please 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 reach out to us so we can tailor that to you all right uh so that'll that'll do it for this episode of i like to movie movie my name is garrett and i like to movie my name is dan and i like to movie uh we all know that you like to movie movie you do do like to movie movie. and uh you know what we we like, like to, to movie movie. movie. movie.